You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. And it's good to see you guys. We're starting a brand new series this morning entitled Thankful. Believe it or not, we are entering the Thanksgiving season already in the year 2021. It seems like the year has flown by. We just finished up a series called Overwhelmed and How to Find Rest in the Busyness of Life because of all the holidays that are coming up at the end of the year. And then last week, Tyler was up here and and just reminded us of what real faith looked like. And this morning, as we dive into this new series, what I want us to do is really think about some of the things that make us thankful. And if, if I give you a list, the list is, is long, right? So I'm, I'm really thankful for my wife. I'm thankful that she puts up with me. I'm thankful that we've been married for 10 years, that she supports me, that she puts up with me. I don't know if I said that one yet, but I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for my kids most of the time. I'm thankful that God has, has truly given me the gift of being a, a parent, being a father. I'm thankful even when they're running around crazy, right? Even when my wife goes out of town to some shopping spree that they called women's group, right? That the kids are with me at home and I'm trying to finish up some painting. I'm still thankful that I get to be their dad. I'm thankful for my parents who, who are a part of the, the Impact family, who raised me to, to love Jesus. I'm thankful that they, they gave me and instilled in me the, the attitude of hard work and integrity and treating people with respect. I'm, I'm grateful for my friends. I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of stuff. I'm thankful for dad jokes. I love dad jokes. I have a lot of them. If you know me, I, I'm just in love with dad jokes. And I have a place that I keep them, and I keep them in a data base. Y'all get that in a minute. So I couldn't think of a good dad joke for today. So that was it. If you were going to make a list of the things that you're thankful for, I'm assuming that the list would go something like that. We're thankful for family. We're thankful for work. We're thankful for a place that we could go to every day that we call home. We're thankful that we have the ability to eat and stay fed and for some of us to eat more than we should like we're just thankful for a lot of stuff but in this series what I really want us to do is I want us to dig really deep and over the next three weeks I want us to look at how we can really be thankful for who God says we are for who God says he is and then we're going to wrap this series up with how we can be thankful for a local church and how we can be a part of a, of a local church family, and what that looks like, and the thankfulness that comes from being a part of that community. So today we're going to look at how we can really be thankful for who God says we are. Not who you think you are, not who you say you are, not who I say I am, but who God says we are as believers and followers of Jesus. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus on one verse. We're going to read more than that. We're going to read seven because context is king, right? We say that here. I really want you to get the the picture of, of what's happening because this one verse on its own really doesn't give you a full picture. So we're going to read 
First uh, Peter chapter two. We're going to start in verse four. And we're going to read through verse ten. But the verse we're going to focus on this morning is verse nine. And what verse nine does is it tells us who we are in Jesus. And I think if we can grasp that this morning, then it can really change our perspective on life. Because it shows us that we're way more than we ever thought we could be. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is. So if you have your paper Bibles, if anybody still has those, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't know where that is, you can go to the very back. When you hit the maps, just turn back a few pages and you'll be in 1 Peter. If you have your phones or whatever you have, just open up. We're going to start in verse 4. It says, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak through your word this morning. I pray that the Spirit moves in this place, that hearts and lives are changed. God, that we leave here knowing exactly who we are because of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know how many of you have ever uh, been somewhere, been with someone, just kind of doing the whole small talk thing. I'm not really good at small talk. I'm just, I'm more of a, let's just get to the point. If you want to know something, ask me. I'm just not really good at the whole small talk thing. But I don't know if you've ever been doing that, doing the whole, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Has anybody ever asked you the question? This is a weird question. Has anybody ever said, hey, who are you? Not like, what's your name? But like, who are you? Who are you really? And if you were asked that question, how would you answer? How would you answer that question? I think for most of us, we would answer that question based off of what we do, right? If somebody says, hey, who are you? Say, well, I'm a teacher, or I'm a coach, or I'm a student, or I'm a stay-at-home mom, or I'm a father, or whatever it may be. It's something that we do. Most of the time, we allow to identify ourselves. Here's the problem with that. We can never do enough to be satisfied. So if we're constantly identifying ourselves by what we do, then we would never get to a place that we can truly find some type of satisfaction and comfort because we're always trying to do more and we can never do enough. Paul David Tripp says this, either you will be getting your identity vertically from who you are in Christ or you will be shopping for it horizontally in the situations, experiences, and relationships of your daily life. So we're either going to get our identity from who God says we are, or we're going to get our identity from things that we do, people that we know, relationships that we build, circumstances that we find ourselves in. 
So the question that I have for you this morning is, who are you? And what I don't want you to do when this message is over, when we go and we eat barbecue and we have inflatables and face painting, and I know a lot of people are thinking about that already, which is cool. I'm thinking about it. I love eating. But when you, when you walk out of this room, I want you to know who you are is not based off of what you do or what you've done. It's based off of Jesus and what He's done for you. And we get to see that in Scripture. Let me give you just a little background of this passage because, again, context is very important here. Peter is writing this to a bunch of Christians who have been scattered around. A bunch of Christians who have no home, who are being persecuted, who are being left out, who, who people just don't understand, they don't agree with, they don't like them. These people that he's writing to are literally just spiritual prostitutes, if you will. They don't have anywhere to go. They don't, they don't even know what the next step looks like for them. And Peter, sensing their despair, writes them this. They're in crazy circumstances. They're poor. They have nowhere to go. They're being persecuted. They're misunderstood. And what I want us to do is I want us to read verse 9 with that in mind. So this is who he's writing to. He's writing to people who need some type of hope. And verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I think that Peter offers up an answer to two questions that are just fundamentally asked constantly, right? Who am I and what is my purpose? Who am I and what is my purpose? I think all of us would, would really like to know who we are and what our purpose is in life. How many of you, by a show of hands, would say, hey, I would love to know exactly what my purpose is so I can start living in that? Anybody? Yeah, me too. And Peter gives these Christians and even us today the answer to this question. Who am I and what is my purpose? See, in the midst of their isolation, Peter reminds them of their identity. And in the midst of their persecution, Peter reminds them of their purpose. And if you're taking notes this morning, I just want to give you three pieces of that identity. Who God says you are. And we're going to get all of these from verse 9. But verse 9 starts this way. You are a chosen race. So number one is this. You are chosen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, hey, you are chosen. You are chosen. What does that mean? This is what it means. It means that we don't deserve salvation, right? We don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve a relationship with Him. But He chose us to have a relationship with Him. Why? Because He loves us. He loves you. So He chose you to be in community with Him. We did nothing to deserve it. We will never do anything to deserve it. He simply says, I love you because I love you and I want you to be in relationship with me. 
He chose you to be a part of His family. And some of you may be sitting there thinking, well, really, I kind of chose Him. I woke up and was thinking, I kind of want to choose Jesus today. And I understand that. Maybe your story kind of took that type of trajectory. But God is the one who placed the desire to be in relationship with Him inside of you to start with. He chose you. He chose you. And what this does is it breaks down any pride that we may have as Christians. Because what it says is, hey, it's not about you. I didn't choose you because you're special. I didn't choose you because you have a certain amount of money. I didn't choose you because you're a certain race. I didn't choose you because you have a certain job. I didn't choose you because you're a certain gender. I chose you because you are mine and I love you. And it has nothing to do with us, nothing to do with what we've ever done, what we ever will do. It's all about Him. And that has to break down any type of pride that we have as Christians. We can't walk around saying, hey, you know what? I'm better than you because I have a relationship with Jesus. No, God chose you to have a relationship with Him, and He wants to choose other people to have a relationship with Him. Here's the cool part. Here's the scandalous part of His love. Is that no matter how many times we choose sin, He still desires to choose us. We see in Romans, and it's one of our key verses here, that He sent Jesus to die for us even when we were choosing sin. He chose us to be a part of His family. And we really see this back in Deuteronomy, all the way back, talking about Israel. It says this in Deuteronomy 7, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you. He literally chooses you because He loves you. Man, and I'm reminded of when I was dating Ashley, and man, we, we were young, and we were madly and deeply in love with each other. Um, I think, at least I was, I think maybe she kind of settled a little bit but I'm, I'm grateful and thankful that she did. But here's what I've learned, is that people, they treat love like it's some type of feeling and emotion, and I'm not saying that it's not. I think that it does, it does spark up something inside of you. But to make a relationship work, you have to continuously choose to love someone. You have to continuously choose to to do whatever it is in that relationship that is, is your part to do. You have to continuously chase after your spouse. You have to continuously serve your spouse. You have to continuously choose to do those things. And here's the problem, is that a lot of times, especially in America, that's just too much work. So it's easier for us to say, hey, I don't want to choose that anymore because it's too hard, so I'm going to choose something else. But we have a God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who says, hey, you know what? It was really hard to choose you because you're so sinful. But I'm choosing you anyway. And you are chosen. 
And the second part of that, it says you are a chosen what? A chosen race. A chosen race. Here's, here's what happens. When we're brought into the family of God, it, it breaks down any racial barriers, ethnicity barriers, gender barriers. It's not about what color you are or what gender you are or how much money you have. What it's about is God says, I choose you to bring you into one race, the race of God. The church has the special ability to bring about change in the community like no other organization or no other people. Because we're part of a chosen race, chosen by God to be unified, no matter what our differences may be on the outside. We're brought into this family, this unity to make a difference. And that's you. Every single person in this room, you are chosen by God. He wants a relationship with you. And for those of you who have a relationship with Him, I want you to know this morning that it's because He loves you that He chose you to be a part of His family. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, well, I've never really taken that step. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And I want you to know this morning that it's an invitation for you because He wants to choose you. He wants you to be a part of the family. Charles Spurgeon said this, if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen Him. And I am sure He chose me before I was born or else He never would have chosen me afterwards. And He must have chosen me for reasons unknown to me for I never could find any reason in myself why He should have looked upon me with special love. Here's the truth. What we brought to salvation is one thing. Sin. We brought sin. God brought love and grace and mercy. He says, I love you. I want you. Come be in a relationship with me. And we're chosen by the Creator of the world. Number two is this. Verse 9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Number two is you are a royal priest. Look to somebody next to you and say, you are a royal priest. You are royalty. This is what you should take away from this, this morning. Is that you, as a child of God, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, have direct access to God. You don't need a human mediator anymore. You can go directly to God Himself. See, a priest had two basic functions. One was to represent people to God. The other to represent God to people. And we've talked about this before, but a priest would, would represent people to God. He would go and he would, he would talk to God for the people. Only the, the priest could do this. And then the priest would also represent God to the people. But when Jesus came, He came to be the high priest, the, the once and for all priest. We no longer needed a human priest. When Jesus died on the cross for us, we, we were able to obtain and achieve righteousness because of Him. And now we get to go straight to God without any mediation. We have direct access to the Father. 
And also, whether you believe this or not, you are royalty. You are royalty. Because Scripture teaches that we're co-heirs with Christ. Scripture teaches that not only do we get to obtain the righteousness of Jesus because of what He did for us on the cross, that we get to become one with Him. That we get to reign with Him. Here's the thing. We have power because of Jesus. But the way that the Christian uses his power is completely different than what the world thinks. So I don't know much about royalty because I'm just like earthly royalty. I'm not part of that. Never will be. I do know that they are on reality TV or the news a lot. And I think they get a lot of cool things handed to them because they're queens and kings and princes and uh, Mary movie stars or whatever. I don't, I don't know what all they do, but they get some cool perks. But think about it like this. As royalty, we get to use our power to serve other people. See, as Christians, we should use our position as royal priests to serve people, to pour out ourselves to people. See, we have direct access to God, and some people don't because they're not following after Him. So we get to, to share the gospel and to share our stories, and we get to serve people to show them how much God loves them or wants to choose them. And I think that the church in America has gotten this so wrong. Because oftentimes the church, the, the Christians, the, the Christ followers think that we're so much better than other people because we're following after Jesus, when Jesus, who is God, came to this earth to serve people and to ultimately give his life for you and for me. And somewhere along the way, the church has gotten to a place where we think that we are just some type of special group of people who deserve more than anyone else. And the truth is, yeah, we, we are royal. But man, we should use that power to serve people. We should use that power to, to pour ourselves out as much as possible so that people can see God's love and know that they have a God who loves them and wants to choose them. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers, talking about Jesus, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now I know that propitiation is a big word. I paid a lot of money to, to Liberty to learn what this word means. And all this means is that man, we, we deserve the wrath of God on us. And Jesus said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take that wrath for them. And not only am I going to take that wrath for them, but when I pay that, it's going to be paid in full and it's going to be paid forever. He became that sacrifice for us so that we could then become high priests ourselves. You are chosen. You are a royal priest. Number three is this. You are a holy nation. And we're going to land here for just a few minutes. 
But God sets you apart to be different. God sets you apart as a chosen race, as a royal priest, to be different. And this is what I know. That we all like to fit in to some degree. That we all want people to like us. That we all want to, to have friends. That we all want to have some type of community. And, and if the world is telling us that we have to be this way, and we're trying to be this way because God has set us apart, we're really just torn and we're getting pulled in different directions. But I want you to know something. That you weren't created to fit in. You were designed to stand out from a world who doesn't love Jesus. You are a holy nation. You are set apart to, to do something, to, to be something. I've told you this story before, but when I was in high school, I was driving to school a month after I got my license, and, and it was really wet outside, and I had a pretty decent truck, I thought. I liked it a lot. And I had just pulled out of my neighborhood, and there's an elementary school that was really on the backside of my neighborhood. And, and again, it was really wet, so I don't think it was my fault. But I was driving, and the car in front of me slammed on brakes. And maybe I was paying attention, maybe not. But when I slammed on brakes, I didn't stop in time, so I ran into the back of this car. Now, it was a Saturn, so they had a rubber bumper. Didn't do anything to their car, but the front of my truck was, was pretty bad. And it was wet outside. I don't know if I said that. Might have been raining, not sure. But that's not the worst part of the story. For one, I didn't want to call my, my mom or dad because I was really scared of what they were going to say. The worst part of the story is it was pajama day at school. And being 16 years old and just one of the, the guys that just like to make people laugh and like to be funny, I wore some girl pajamas. So I had on pink girl pajamas as I'm driving this truck to school and it was very embarrassing luckily we did have baseball practice like after school so I did have a bag with some clothes so I changed in my truck um, before the cops got there so it was really shady right it looked really bad but here's the deal sometimes we're we're dressed right for just where we are but other times we're not right I wasn't dressed for the wreck I was dressed for pajama day at school. And I want you to know that we're not always dressed for where we are. We're dressed for where we're going. And you're not dressed as a Christian to fit in with this world. You're dressed to be different and set apart because God is preparing something for you in the future. God has something planned for you that's much better than you could ever think. You are set apart for a reason. You do not fit in with this world because you're not supposed to fit in with this world. Another translation of this says you are a peculiar people. You're strange. You're an odd people. And I like that better. And some of you are like, man, people have been telling me that my whole life. This is good to get some validation. You are not called to fit in in a world that despises God. You're designed to stand out, to be different. He has set you apart as a holy nation. You're not dressed for where you are. You're dressed for where you're going. 
See, everyone around you, they may think that you're, you're trash, you're no good, you're not worth anything, and maybe you've started to believe that yourself. And what I want to do this morning is I, I really want to show you a, just a, a different way maybe that this can, this can sink in. But um, I have $20 right here in my pocket. Now, this $20 was made to be $20. Do you agree? This is not a $1 bill. It's not a $5 bill. It's a $20 bill, right? So that's what this is. That's what it's worth. That's the value of this $20 bill. Now, if I was going to give this away to somebody, would anybody want to take this? Jared? So you want this $20 bill? All right, so I'm going to fold this up. Do you still want it? Okay. I'm going to fold it up again. Do you still want it? Okay, I'm going to crumble it up, actually. Do you still want it? I'm going to step on it. Do you still want it? Okay, you can have it. Okay, so here's the deal. Thank you, man. You can, that's yours. He wanted the $20, right? Because it's still $20. No matter what I do to it, it's still $20. And some of you, you've been folded and folded and folded. You've been thrown away. You've been stepped on. You've been crumbled. You've been thrown in the trash. People don't like you, but guess what? You are still valuable. You're, you're still worth what God says you're worth. As a child of God, you still have value. And your value is found in Him. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what people say about you because you were chosen by God to be in His family. To be a royal priest. To be set apart. To be holy. To be different. Because you weren't made to fit in. You were designed to stand out. That's your identity. That's what we could be thankful for this morning. Thankful that we're chosen by God to be a part of His family, to be royalty, that we have direct access to the Father. And that we were designed to, to stand out, to be different. But Peter continues on in verse 9 and thank God that he does because up to this point, it's all about us. It's about who God says we are. And if, if Peter stopped here, it would really maybe give us a sense of entitlement. But what he does is he continues on and he tells us why our identity is this. He gives us our purpose. And this morning, I want you to know your purpose. And we're going to close with this. But verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Listen to this. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Your purpose is to proclaim. Your purpose. You are chosen. You're royal. You're set apart for this reason. To proclaim the excellencies of God. Your identity is, is chosen to be a child, a son, a daughter. To be royalty, to serve people. To be set apart and to be different. 
for the main purpose of proclaiming the excellencies of God. It says proclaiming the excellencies of Him who grabbed you, who grabbed you out of darkness, who grabbed you out of sin, who plucked you out of the depths of hell and brought you into marvelous light. Man, there's an old school worship song called Marvelous Light. I love it. I'm not going to sing it to you, but I really thought about it. But it says, into marvelous light, I'm running. Out of what? Out of darkness. Into marvelous light, I'm running. God has plucked us out of death, out of darkness, and said, hey, I'm choosing you. Your identity is chosen. Your identity is royalty. You're a priest. You have direct access to me. Your identity is holy. You're a holy nation to be set apart. A holy nation who gets to proclaim the excellencies of God. And that's what we're called to do as as the church, as the capital C, as the body of Christ. It's to tell people what He's done for us. Man, you don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to have all the answers. What you do have is what God has done in your life. And you get to proclaim those excellencies. And that's our purpose. Our purpose is to use our identity to make His identity more known and famous around the world. And I don't know where you are this morning in your walk with Jesus. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the, the feelings that you may have inside. But I want you to know this, that you are valuable. That you are valuable. Every night when I kiss Ansley, my youngest daughter, goodnight, we always say I love you. Now, let me back up just a minute. I have a nine-year-old daughter who has already got to the point where she doesn't even want to say I love you back. Like, I don't even know what this is about. But I can only imagine it's going to get worse. But my seven-year-old still says I love you. So every night, I kiss her, tell her I love her. She says I love you too. And then we say this thing to each other, right, that she got from some YouTube kids channel. But we say, you are worth it. And I tell her, because she used to tell me, but now I always say it first. And if she doesn't say it before I walk out, I stand in the door and say, you are worth it. You are worth it. Until she says, you are worth it. And I want you to know that God stands here saying, you are worth it. And you're not worth it because of who you are in general. You're worth it because Jesus died for you and He's choosing you to be a part of His family. And some of you need to know that this morning. That you're worth it. That you're valuable. No matter how many times you fold, no matter how many times you get thrown down, no matter how many times you get stomped on, the value is still the same. And your value is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And my prayer for you is that you begin to walk in that identity. That you're not what you do, but you're who God says you are.
And your purpose is to proclaim the excellencies of God. So if you're ever wondering, hey, so what's my purpose in life? Your purpose is to give God glory and proclaim who He is to a world who desperately needs to hear it. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.